Welcome. I'm uh, glad you're here this morning, and I'm, I'm excited uh, to be able to continue this series that Pastor started last week uh, called Bad Advice, because it's, uh, you know, it's rare that you get to stand up in front of people and just give, give bad advice, because the bad advice is easy to give, right? It's the good advice uh, that's, uh, that's hard, because we all have lots of experience with the bad advice uh, part of things. Um, we're looking at all of the ways that we live as if we're following bad advice instead of following the directions that were given to us uh, by our Creator. And the thing about bad advice and following bad advice is that I can look at your life and point out all the ways that you're following bad advice, uh, but I rarely see that in my own life uh, and in the way that I'm living. Um, and a lot of the bad advice that we follow on a daily basis centers around kind of a foundational thing, uh, something that uh, even though we may be uh, different ages, different places in our lives, it's a, it's a thing that we all share. And in fact, it's something that I share with you and I share with everybody on the planet. And that is, I want to have a life that is complete and fulfilled, right? I mean, I want to wake up in the morning feeling like I've arrived, that there's nothing else that I need to make my life complete. And so today I want to start with the definition of complete. And uh, I got this uh, from uh, Webster's, I think. And it's having all necessary parts, not lacking anything, not limited in any way, not requiring more work, entirely done or completed. And, you know, I think... We'd all say we've been searching for completion our entire lives. Uh, you start, you know, when, when, you get in, when you start kindergarten, right? Kids are going back to school uh, now, or they're back in school. Uh, and you start out, from the day you start kindergarten, what's your goal? Get done with school, right? To be completed uh, with school. And whether that's, you know, getting through high school or getting through college or getting through graduate school, uh, that's where everybody uh, starts out. Uh, from the moment you started dating, right? What was the goal? To be done, right? To find the one, you know, to find that person, right? That was the, that was the goal. It wasn't to, to, to date people your whole life, at least for most of us. Uh, that, wasn't the, uh, uh, that wasn't the goal. Uh, from the moment you, you started working, what was your goal? I mean, it was to find the right job, right? I don't, you know, you know when I started out uh, working for a landscaping crew, when I was 14 or 15 years old, I mean, you know, I'll tell you right away, I started thinking, man, I need to have a, like, the job, like a great job, pays me, you know, all the money, I don't have to sweat uh, all day, uh, and, you know, meets all of my needs, and I mean, it's not some kind of joy-sucking vortex of despair, I mean, we're looking for the job, right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the goal. Uh, and you have an idea, I mean, all of us have an idea uh, of what is necessary uh, what, what makes up the necessary parts to make us complete? And uh, you, we've been checking off the boxes uh, probably since day one, right? I mean, you've got the right education. That's, you know, that's certainly a box that all of us have. Uh, a, uh, a great job, right? Perfect job. Uh, true love forever. That's another one, right? True love forever. Uh, and financial security. I mean, those, there may be other, you may have other boxes out there. I don't know. But those were the boxes that, that I thought of that, I mean, you know, from the time that we know what they are, we're, we're, we're looking for a way to make our lives complete in these areas. We're checking off those boxes. And when all the boxes are checked, 
you're done, right? Your life is fulfilled. So today I'm going to help you out. All right, so today I'm going to, I have a, and I have a binder here. I had to have a binder of all the really bad advice that, uh, that I can give uh, to you to check those boxes off. And to, uh, uh, to start out uh, today, uh, I thought that, because you know, this, this is the first, uh, this, is, this is kind of the first thing that you need to accomplish to make your life complete, uh, we're going to, uh, to look to, to Hollywood to, to help us, I mean, because that's where, the answers of all things in life lie, is in the very wise uh, writers and producers uh, in Hollywood. And I thought that we'd, uh, we'd have Tom Cruise and Renee Zellwinger, uh, who probably, they probably say it best uh, in, uh, it's a, in this, uh, this little clip. So let's take a few minutes uh, and watch some really great bad advice. We live in a cynical world, a cynical world. And we work in a business of tough competitors. I love you. You complete me. I'm not just. Hey, shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. I love that. Um, that clip illustrates something that we all know, uh, which is uh, love, sex, uh, you know, they're a key essential part uh, of our lives. And you've got to find that one person that completes you. And, and, and they're out there. I mean, that one person that will make you whole. Now, here's the problem. I mean, how do you know that that's the person that will complete you. Well, there's some things. You know, I'm going to give you some. If you're, you know, if you're just you know, you're dating or, or anything like that, or if you've got children or grandchildren that are dating, this is, this is great. And you should, I didn't make an outline, but you should probably write it down. Um, first, the one has to be super attractive. All right, that's key. Uh, if there's one thing that we know from from Hollywood and from movies is that the one cannot be ugly, all right? So an ugly person can never be the one. Find somebody that's super, super good looking, all right? So that's, I mean, I think we all know that. It probably goes without saying, but I feel like I should throw that out there anyway. Uh, also, the one has to make you happy all the time with everything that they do. Even when you're sad or there are things that are out of their control, the super attractive one also has to make you happy. And uh, you know that surge of excitement that you feel when you first, you know, meet somebody, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, giddiness and whatever it is that goes on in your brain that gets released and all that kind of stuff. If it's the one, you will feel that all the time, okay? The one will make you feel, you'll just have that same excitement. Every time you see that person or hear them they talk on the phone, you will feel just giddy in your brain. 
That's what happens when you meet the one. Also, it's impossible for the one to make you happy all the time unless they can read your mind. So if you can uh, find an, an empath, someone with empathic abilities, uh, snatch that person up right away because they are definitely the one. And, and they need to be able to do all of these things forever, by the way. Uh, otherwise, there's a chance at some point that you might find yourself feeling incomplete, right? Uh, if that happens and you find yourself feeling incomplete, then I'm sorry, but that person was not the one, all right? So you'll need to return to step one, i.e. find a super attractive person, uh, and start all over again. Um, just keep trying because the one who will fully complete you and make all your dreams come true is out there. They're out there. Uh, and if that's one thing that we know from all of the great movies like Mr. Cruz makes uh, is that the one is out there. But that's not all. Uh, step two uh, to making your life really complete, to checking off those boxes, you have to listen to your heart, right? Um, if you have any questions about what will make your life complete, just listen to your heart. It never steers you wrong. Uh, we know this is true uh, because there are about a kajillion movies, songs, and internet memes that tell us so, right? Do I, Dave, I got a couple. Can you, can you throw those up there? Because I like internet memes. They're my favorite things to do. Uh, Nicholas Sparks, that guy, he knows what makes life worth living, right? Uh, always listen to your heart because even though it's on your left side, it's always right. Man, that guy is a poet. Uh, what's the next one? Oh, listen to your heart above all other voices. And that's a little Facebook meme thing. And of course, you know, if it's on Facebook, uh, it's got to be true. Also, um, because if you know me very well, you know I'm a big fan of 80s uh, music. Um, the great philosopher Roxette uh, taught us, uh, I think this was circa 1988, to listen to your heart when he's calling for you. Listen to your heart. There's nothing else you can do. I don't know where you're going, and I don't know why, but listen to your heart before you tell him goodbye. I mean, ladies, that's some solid advice right there. You know, I mean, make sure that you always uh, listen to your heart because you can't go wrong. And I mean, you know, with hairdos like that, I mean, they've got to be right. Um, you know, and the really cool thing about listening to your heart is that it almost tell, always tells you to do what feels good right at that moment, right? <laughs> and that's good because I like to feel good right at that moment. And my heart's really good at that. Oh, uh, as, a, as an aside about that, though, sometimes people confuse their heart with other parts of their body. Uh, and that can be a problem. But just keep telling yourself that it's your heart. Uh, and that way, you know, you'll be fine uh, if, you, uh, if you do that. It shouldn't be a problem. Um, your heart is also, it rarely makes you wait on anything, right? You don't have to wait on anything with your heart, which is a great transition uh, into our next piece of really great bad advice, which is wait for nothing. Or subtitle, ain't nobody got time for that, right? Be complete now, right? I mean, now. I mean, this is 2016. We have the technology, right? I mean, you don't have to wait for 
anything. Do you have a job? Great. Then you should have a house, a car, a big screen, TV. Uh, and, I mean, you've earned it, right? And you don't have to wait because, I mean, pretty much if you've got a job, you can borrow some money. So, you know, by all means, do that. Don't wait or, you know, save anything up because that's not any, very much fun at all to save uh, money. We all know that. Um, and it, this is even more important if you're married because we all know that when you get married, you, you, you should, like, have a house immediately. You know, I mean, that's because that's, that's what people do. Uh, and it should be fully furnished with the best stuff. And when you do that, I know a place where you can get no interest until, like, 2037. Okay, I mean, like, like you, you, can buy furniture, you can buy, like, a house full of furniture right now, not pay a dime. Of course, it'll be, like, 65% interest when you finally do pay for anything. But, but don't worry about that now because that's later. Um, if you have a kids, definitely don't wait for anything um, because then you have to have a bigger house, right, and a minivan uh, because we all know that one baby takes up the space of at least five grown adults. Uh, so make sure, you know, I mean, you know, so don't, you know, don't, don't, don't deny yourself any luxury or comfort when it comes to that because you don't have to. You really don't, I promise you. Uh, you can find a way to get it, and why not do that? Um, never delay in making yourself feel good because you might die tomorrow, right? I mean, you know, don't, don't, there's, no reason, uh, there's no reason to wait. Um, what's next? Oh, uh, bad piece of advice, number four. Uh, make sure that you spend a large portions of your life obsessing over something that's temporary and trivial, right? Find something that's completely trivial and make it your life's obsession, uh, Football season is upon us, right? I love football and sports. There's nothing more fulfilling for me personally than obsessing over, like, college football. Uh, there's, and, I mean, it's a really good life plan, you know, to, to make yourself feel complete, uh, to, to base your happiness and self-worth on whether a bunch of 19-year-old boys make good decisions on and off the field, right? I mean, that's a no-lose proposition right there. Uh, you know, let's, let's do that. Uh, and uh, I promise you, I mean, my team, uh, you guys know I'm a Florida State fan. My team uh, won the national championship in 2013. Uh, and uh, it had been since like 1999 since they had won it. And I tell you, I mean, it was a long time coming. And when they won the national championship, my life changed. Uh, it was, the sun was a little brighter. The birds chirped a little louder. My wife loved me more, you know. I mean, everything was better when my team finally won the national championship. Uh, it will absolutely change your life. It will. So don't, don't hold back, you know. If sports isn't your thing, and you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things out there. Maybe uh, social media, you know, is, is, is something that you really like to uh, obsess over. Uh, make sure you update the world about every single thing that's going on in your life all the time. I mean, like real-time, real-time updates on where you're at and what you're doing. Uh, and share your opinions. Uh, spend a lot of time formulating and sharing your opinions with everybody, especially if it has to do with politics. Uh, because uh, your opinion matters, and, and, we all, and everybody should know what that is. Um, 
take lots of pictures about, you know, of everything, and just kind of just kind of like sit back and wait for the likes to, you know, roll in uh, for you. Uh, and when I say wait, I don't really mean wait, because that would be contrary to my last piece of good advice, bad advice. Uh, make sure you refresh your feed every like five seconds so that your entire life is spent walking around with your phone, refreshing your feed to see if somebody has commented or liked something that you have done. Uh, and that's a great way. Social media is a great way. It's hard to like, know whether you've really arrived or not in life, whether you are complete, in fact. Uh, because how, how do you know unless you get feedback on social media and you can like, you know, see what other people are doing and then you know, hey, I am, uh, I am complete. But, you know, I don't mean to pick on like football or sports or social media because, I mean, I, I love sports. Um, there's all kinds of trivial things that you can spend your life obsessing. Uh, over. But the important thing is whatever your trivial thing is, don't do it halfway because your mama didn't raise you to be, do anything halfway. Go all the way. Give yourself over to whatever it is completely. The more temporary and the more trivial, uh, the better. But, uh, you know, there are some things that, that, I mean, in all honesty, we really should not obsess over. Uh, it's just, it's not a good idea. Uh, and that brings us to our, our next point which is this, uh, make God an accessory in your life, uh, like, a, like a handbag <laughs> uh, or a nice belt. You know, uh, while you're giving thing, yourself over to trivial and temporary things, um, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you forget God completely because that wouldn't be right, uh, but just make God, you know, just, just an accessory. Um, he's, you know, it's like, like a handbag, you know, I mean, he's there when you need it, there when you, you know, but you don't really need it every day, just on certain days and at certain times. Uh, treat church as an optional thing. And teach your children and your grandchildren the same thing. I mean, after all, uh, weekends are the only time you get to rest. And uh, it's the only time you get to do what you want. So, you know, make sure that you just, you just treat church uh, as something optional that, hey, if, if I feel like it, let's do it. Um, because after all, I mean, nobody can tell you that you have to go to church. I mean, nobody's, I mean, you might get a few annoying phone calls or text messages from somebody going, hey, where were you today? Um, but in the end, it's not like you're going to get fired from anywhere. You know, nobody's going to fine you. Uh, you know, you're not going to get in trouble. There's no real consequences for it. So, uh, you know, if church is inconvenient, just don't go. It's not hard. Just don't go. Uh, if it's a good beach day, don't go. Don't go to church. If it's raining too hard, don't go to church. Uh, if your Aunt Susie is in town and she doesn't like church, then don't go to church. Uh, if you stayed up too late on Saturday night, don't go to church. The band refuses to play that song that you've been asking them to play. You can show them. Just don't go. Don't go to church. Uh, if the preaching or the music doesn't leave you feeling spiritually fulfilled every Sunday, just don't, just don't go. If I say something that offends you, you don't have to come back. Don't, you know, just don't, don't do it. I mean, nobody can force you to go to church. But... But I'm not saying I mean, I'm not saying that you ne never go. I'm not saying that you never go to church. 
uh, because it does have its benefits. Uh, first of all, if you go to church like every couple of months, you don't feel too guilty, right? Because nobody wants the guilt, you know, never going to church because that's, that's a drag. Uh, so uh, go every once in a while, then you don't feel too guilty. Uh, and then the other thing that's really good about it is that when some pesky Christian invites you to go to church somewhere else, you can just say, I go to Milestone, right? I mean, it's a perfect way to get out of that uncomfortable situation where somebody's inviting you to church because you can just say, I go to Milestone. And it's mostly true, right? It's not even a lie because you do go every once in a while. Um, I mean, it's kind of like going to the gym, right? You can just say, I go to the gym, but you know, like, and really you only go like once every month or so, right? Um, the other benefit of it is that when you're sick or dying, or when you have a loved one who's sick or dying, you still have a pastor. You know, I mean, if you didn't go to church a lot, then you might, that would be awkward, you know, calling a pastor if you didn't go to church at all. But if you go every once in a while, right, then you can, you still have a pastor. Uh, and although it can be annoying to have, you know, the pastor or somebody on the church staff, uh, you know, bugging you about things that are going on at church and you're back to church Sunday and inviting people to church and all those kinds of things. Um, it, it, the pastor can be annoying. But, but even so, he's a really handy guy to have around when your life blows up. Right? And he might not be there if you don't go to church at all. So, you know, it's optional, but you know, don't cut it out of your life completely. Uh, just, you know, if you go, then you can still pick up the bat phone, right, and call the pastor when you need him. And I promise you, he'll, he'll still answer, you know. You do not have to go to church all the time. So that's bad advice. It's difficult for me because sarcasm doesn't come easily to me. Uh, and it takes a lot out of me uh, to do that. But, you know, some, some of you thought, you know, some of you, know, you think that's funny. Um, some of you don't. That's okay. Um, but the truth is, is that all of us follow or have followed some or all of that bad advice to make our lives complete. You know, we do that and we think that somehow we're going to find completion somewhere at the end of the rainbow. And it's all advice that's grounded in this world philosophy that, and this is, this is important, it's grounded in a, in, in a worldly philosophy that the Bible is a fairy tale and that it has some good moral uh, ideas about how we should live our lives, but it lacks a practical application to modern life. Uh, it's grounded in a worldly philosophy that my immediate comfort, convenience, and pleasure is the most important thing. It's grounded in a, a, in a worldly philosophy that I either evolved from slime uh, or was created by some disinterested deity who will never hold me accountable. Uh, it, it's, it's founded on this idea that in the end, I'm accountable to no one but myself. So, I mean, let's go back and let's take a look at what our Creator says about how we find completion uh, ultimately in our lives. Uh, Colossians 2, we'll start in verse 8. 
don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual power of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Uh, Paul says you are made complete by Jesus Christ. Other translations um, use the word filled by Jesus Christ. And so Paul is talking to these Christians at Colossae uh, about how they're being led astray by empty philosophies, high-sounding nonsense. I mean, what is it? I mean, why does he use those particular words? Well, I mean, it, he's talking about a, a worldly philosophy that is, that is intruding in on their lives, and, and, and it sounds good, right? I mean, it sounds good when you first hear it. It sounds right, but upon further examination, you discover it's garbage, right? It leads you nowhere. Um, it's stuff that sounds good, but when you, when you study it and you put it to the test, it's false and empty. Um, you live in a world where every day, every day, you're being bombarded with messages about what will make your life complete and fulfilled. Most of the messages are so familiar or so subtle uh, that you never even think about it. I never even think about it, right? Never even notice it. Uh, the commercial that tells you that your life will be better if you buy a certain product or if you enroll in an online university, right? That's the one I noticed the other day. If you just enroll in this online university, rise up. You know, everything is going to be better. Uh, the movie that tells you that happily ever after is just one perfect date away, right? I mean, it's just one perfect date away. I mean, they're very sophisticated messages a lot of times and very convincing, but upon, you know, some closer analysis, which unfortunately we rarely give, we find out that we're getting bad advice. Uh, so let's circle back to that first one again, right? Uh, no per I mean, come on. No person can complete you. I mean, uh, I, I don't know what you were doing in 1996, if you were even here. Uh, but in 1996, I was a 19-year-old uh, sophomore uh, at UWF. Uh, Jerry Maguire was, the big, was a big movie at that time. We just saw a clip uh, from that. And there were, there were three lines that everybody repeated from that movie. Right? The first one, show me the money. Right? Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, you complete me, right? And you had me at hello. Right? Those, were the, those were the three big lines from that movie. Um, and I love that clip. I really do, because I think it just encapsulates uh, a message that sounds really nice, you know, on the surface, but when you kind of go a little deeper, you realize that it's setting you up for some serious disappointment. Um, I didn't have a lot of sophisticated thoughts uh, at that point in my life about uh, you know, love or marriage. <laughs> uh, basically, I wanted to, to marry a really, really beautiful woman who also loved Jesus, right? Because that was the spiritual side of things for me, right? It's poor, you know, really hot, loves Jesus. Um, you know, and mission accomplished. I mean, I did it. I did it. 
Uh, and and I, I love my wife deeply, uh, but she cannot complete me. You know? Um, and it's a horrible thing for me to ask her to try to do that. Uh, one of the greatest lies and the most destructive lies that Hollywood tells you, all you single people and even you married people, uh, is that there is this one perfect person for you and that when you find them, when you find them, they will make your life complete and you will live happily ever after. It is a horrible lie. No person can make you complete. And putting that kind of pressure on your spouse or your potential spouse, I mean, it's a recipe for disaster, you know? Um, but you know, what happens is when our relationship with God is non-existent or uh, anemic, we fall into the trap of looking to a human being to bring fulfillment and purpose uh, to our lives. And you're going to inevitably be let down. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, they never show, you notice in these movies, they never t- show too much past that point. You know, it's never like the next day, <laughs> you know, or like what happens in normal life when you're like actually like living day-to-day life with that person and you're dealing with bills, illnesses, you know, poopy diapers, whatever it is. Hollywood doesn't show a lot of that, right? Because that's not like, that's not sexy. That's not romantic. But I mean, that's life. And that's where the fulfillment, in those days after that, that's where life happens. You know, so don't, don't fall into that, don't fall into that trap. Uh, you know, Paul tells us, that we're made complete by Christ, that, that Jesus fills us up. And that's a concept that was uh, kind of repeated and maybe made famous. Famous may be too strong of a word, I guess, by the, that 17th century philosopher uh, Pascal, uh, who, who made a comment on the efforts of men and women. And this would be in the 1600s, right? So in the 1600s, he was addressing this problem because nothing changes, right? Nothing's new under the sun. Uh, of, of men and women seeking to fulfill themselves in the things that the world offers. And he said this, This infinite abyss, meaning this, this hole in our souls, can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God himself. So the question is, how do I reject the temporary and ultimately unfulfilling things of the world and fill myself up with the eternal things of Christ. I'm glad you asked. Uh, because that brings us to our second point. Right? Uh, do not listen to your heart. Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. To this I would also add, the heart is wicked deceitful, and very, very stupid, right? Stupid is the heart. Um, And there's nothing you can do about it, right? I mean, it's not, it's beyond cure. Uh, I bought this uh, uh, Ryobi motor thing. I don't know if you've ever been to like, you know, it's like a weed eater. And now it's not, you don't just buy like the weed eater. You buy, you can buy the components, Right, so I have the components that I, somebody gave me a long time ago, but my engine finally kind of went out. 
And so I went uh, to Home Depot and I bought a new engine for it. And I sat there and liked the aisle and stared at it forever uh, about should I get a four cycle engine or a two cycle engine or a four cycle engine or a two cycle engine. And I decided on the two cycle uh, engine. And so I got home and, you know, uh, it, it fits all of my old like attachments and everything. It's great. Uh, it came with instructions. Uh, it, that you know, Ryobi, the manufacturer, gave uh, with it uh, on what to do to like to prepare the engine for the first time you use it. Okay, uh, and you know, you prime the engine, you know, everything that you do, and it also tells you what kind of gasoline to use. Now, if you've ever owned a two-cycle engine before, you know what about what do we know about the kind of the, the fuel that goes into a two-cycle engine? Right, it's not pure gasoline. It's, it's an oil additive mixture, right? Because in a two-cycle engine, you don't add oil. It's in the, it's in the gas. Um, so I get this thing home, and I know that. I mean, I know that two-cycle engine takes an oil-gas mixture. But you know, what if I decided that uh, an oil and gas mixture didn't make any sense, right? Uh, that it was inconvenient to always be having to mix the oil and the gas, together. Um, it's a pain to have to like measure out the oil and you know, okay, it's this much of the additive and you put that in there and all that. What if I decided it would take too much time to go to the store? I mean, I have the gas already. It's right there in the can. What if I decided it would take too much time for me like to go to Home Depot and buy the oil and gas mixture? What if I decided to just pour straight gas into my two-cycle engine? Do you know what would happen? I mean, I can tell you what will happen. <laughs> you don't have to guess. Um, the engine cranks right up. Yeah. I mean, it, it cranks right up, runs strong. You can string trim about three quarters of your yard like that. Um, it, it gets the job. I mean, it, man, it knocks it out. It gets the job done. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, it sounds good for a little while, you know? Then you know what happens? It gets really hot, and it overheats, and it seizes up, and eventually it dies. Now, if I did that, on per I mean, if I did that, if I just said, hey, um, you know, instructions, they don't make any sense. This is stupid. You know, I feel like the right thing to do here is to pour this gas straight into this two-cycle engine. It's convenient. feels good. I don't have to wait on anything. I don't have to go to the store. I don't do anything. I just pour it in and get going. You would think I was pretty dumb, right? I mean, you know, what kind of idiot just ignores the right things to do in favor of what is good right then? Uh, I mean... Obvious illustration, right? Uh, we would look at that and say, you know, hey, you're, that's, that's, that's a bad plan, Todd. Yet, every day, we ignore the instructions that God gives us, uh, the, the God who made us, by the way. I mean, you know, he actually created you. He knows how you work. He knows what fulfills you. He knows what brings happiness into your life. I mean, he, he created you, just like the manufacturer of an engine. Right? He knows what works and what doesn't. Yet, 
all the time we ignore those instructions in favor of what, what our heart tells us to do. Then we wonder why everything seems to be breaking down around us and why we can't catch a break and why nothing's going right. You know, I mean, we get all of these instructions, you know, and I could, you know what they are. I mean, I could go through all of these things with you. Don't set your eyes on unclean things. I was pretty clear about that, what we should and shouldn't be putting into our brains. Yeah, I mean, we put all kinds of stuff in our, in our head that the manufacturer tells us not to. You know, and then we wonder why we can't get them out again, why these images come up at inopportune times. You know, you know we, bra- we watch all this junk, you know, and then we brag, you know, talk about it with other people and Christians on social media and everything else like it's nothing. Hashtag Game of Thrones. You know, I mean, we do all kinds of things uh, that the manufacturer tells us not to do, and then we wonder why things don't go right. I mean, it's not like, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to go to seminary to figure this out. Uh, so don't listen to your heart. Listen to the manufacturer. Listen to the creator. Uh, number three, uh, delay gratification. Uh, a lot of problems we experience in life can be traced back to the, the desire that we have for instant gratification and the refusal that we have to delay anything uh, that's good in life. And Solomon tells us this. He says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. You can't, you can't control yourself if you can't delay anything. You're going to be vulnerable to all kinds of things. I'll give you a real quick illustration uh, if you're in my house group, you've heard this before, so I'm sorry. Uh, but if you're not uh, got out of, getting out of college, uh, I bought a car. There it is. The prelude, you know. Uh, graduating from college, I thought I deserved something really nice. Didn't want to wait until I actually had a job where I could pay for that really nice thing. Uh, after all, I was making at least minimum wage at Office Depot at the time. So, you know, I mean, that's like I'm rolling. I'm rolling in it uh, at that point uh, in my life. Uh, and, you know, my wise father warned me against it. Right? I mean, why, you know, you don't have to do this. Why, you know, don't do it. But I didn't wait. I wanted it right then. So I got it because, you know, I mean, this is America. <laughs> right? I mean, you don't have to wait. Just go get it. Uh, I got it, and I got it in 1999 uh, when I was graduating from college. And if you knew me in 2011, you knew I still had that car. You know, still had that car. For a very long time, I spent most of my weekly paycheck paying for a car I never should have bought. And it was a huge financial burden for a very long time. You know, I mean, had to do without a lot of things. Fortunately, I had some good parents who, you know, helped me uh, in, some, in some areas. But by failing to exercise self-control in that area, I made myself vulnerable, right? Vulnerable to, to debt. And, I mean, think about, I mean, there's all kinds of things in your life. If you, if you fail to exercise self-control, you know this, in some area of your life, that you make yourself, you're helpless. I mean, things spin out of control, and it, it, things are just out of your, I mean, Nothing you can do now. The enemy's over the, past the walls, 
Your options are limited at that point. You know, you've incurred the debt. You've done whatever. Um, it's highly unlikely that you're ever going to say, I'm sorry I didn't go into crippling debt to buy that whatever. I should never have saved my money. Uh, I'm sorry I, I waited to uh, save uh, myself for my spouse for marriage. Sorry I did that. You know, I really missed out on all the heartbreak and regret that would have gone along with it. The world is full of people who wish they could go back in time and tell their younger selves, wait, full of people, right? Wish we had time machines. Go back. Don't do it. Why is that? You know, why is it that things work that way? Because that's the way the Creator made it to work. That's the way the Creator made you to work. Last thing. Um, the eternal is greater than the temporary. Maybe it's not the last thing, but it's close to the last thing. Uh, you guys know I enjoy sports. I'm a Cubs fan. We have a good time. You know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying sports and temporary things. All right, I hope they win the World Series this year. I do. Rusty, you know, I hope your team does great. But it's not going to change your life. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to rooting for Argo football. Inaugural season. I'm going to be there. I'm going to enjoy it. But whether they do great or they don't do great, it's not going to change my life. If I allow my devotion to a sports team or any temporary thing, any temporary thing to get in the way of the eternal things, if I become so obsessed with it right, that uh, I can't focus on anything else, uh, then I'm... I'm I'm not fulfilling God's plan for my life. Uh, if you want to be consumed by something, make sure it has eternal significance. Right? Uh, don't waste the life that God gave you trying to fulfill yourself with... I mean, really, when you think about it, what, I mean, I, I, I'll just use the sports analogy. I mean, it's a bunch of 19-year-old kids running around. That's really what it is. That's what you're going to base your happiness on? It's a bad plan. All right, really the last thing. Number five, God is not an accessory. God is everything. He's everything. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Matthew uh, 6.33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need above all else until you make God the priority in your life over everything else you'll ne you're never going to be fulfilled there it is there's the secret there's the secret of life you can spend your whole daggum life trying to fill yourself up with all kinds of things but you're never going to be right you're never ever ever going to be right you can treat God as an accessory church as a convenient thing or an inconvenient thing you're wasting your life because the Creator didn't make you to live that way. Um, and by the way, you know, as an aside, the Bible teaches us that God's a jealous God, right? So if you are a Christian, God won't take second place. He won't, and He will pursue you 
And then you're really going to wonder what's going on in your life and why nothing goes right. Um, man, don't make church optional. I'm begging you. You know, don't teach your kids or your grandkids that church is just something that we do if it's convenient and if it fits into our schedule. Um, we had I Love My Church a couple months ago, right? It seems like it's been a while. I love the stories that we heard about the role that Milestone played in people's lives. It's inspiring to me, you know. I wanted to do a, you know, just get up and, and say all the great things, why church is important. You know, as, uh, as a kid, I had to go to church. Didn't have a choice uh, about it. Um, the Bible teaches us, Hebrews 10, 25, that that's the way we're to live. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Why, why is that? You know? I mean, because we need rules, right? You know, I mean, it's, you're in the club, and you've got to meet when the club meets and all that kind of stuff. It's because your creator knows that you need the encouragement of other believers. You need it. Uh, we encourage each other to know God better, to serve him faithfully, and to stay, stay faithful to him during difficult times. Um, if you've ever gone in an extended period of time without going to church, you know what happens. You drift. There's just no, there's just no way around it. I mean, you drift. You can say, well, I spend time, you know, and the, no. you're going you're gonna to drift. Let me tell you a couple of reasons why I love Milestone. All right? Why am I here? And I can guarantee you it's not because my father is the pastor of this church. That's not why I'm here. Milestone is where I met men like Perry Morton uh, and Herman Morton uh, and Sonny Price and Raymond C. and Max Sapp. Men, you know, who taught me along with my father what a man looks like, how a man should live, how he serves God, how he treats his wife, how he works. Where do we, where do we learn these things from? Right? I mean, these things happen at church. Milestone is where I have friends, house group friends, family, church family that I get together with that encourage me that I can study the word with, that when I say, oh, man, I'm having this problem, and they go, well, I'm having the same problem, and we talk to each other, and we, you know, we pray for each other, and we support each other. I mean, that's important. That's not optional. That's essential. That's essential to the Christian life. So I would just, I don't know what else to do, you know, plead with you. Don't make church an optional thing. Um, you can spend the rest of your life this is it. You can spend the rest of your life trying to fill yourself up with temporary things. Uh, jobs, houses, cars, sports, whatever. I mean, I've watched plenty of people try. Plenty of people. Uh, I've watched grown men get it all, lose it all, and cry like babies. Because the temporary is just that. It's temporary. And it goes. And it's gone. And you're sitting there going, what happened? And why am I unfulfilled? I promise you, don't waste your life. 
Uh, and, and you can't work, right? I mean, because uh, that's not what you're made for. So you have a choice. We all have a choice. Um, you can live, we can live according to the instructions that God gives us, or we can keep trying to pour straight fuel into a two-cycle engine and hope that things work out okay. And it will for a little while, by the way, because the engine cranks. It cranks up. But the end is very, very bad. Very, very bad. Uh, so here's, here's what I want you guys to do. And uh, the, the band can go ahead and come on, uh, come on up. And I'm going to pray in a minute, and the ushers are going to come up uh, as well. Um, this is what I ask you to do. This is the last thing, last slide. I want you to commit this week to do three things. Right? Because, I mean, it's always good to leave with something uh, that, we can, that we can focus on. Uh, commit to do three things. To spend 10 minutes each day with God. And that's just for this week. I'm not asking you to do it for the rest of your life. Right? Just this week. Try it. Try it. 10 minutes each day. Second thing, to talk to God two times during the day that are not meal times. That's key. Not meal times. All right, well, how do, I know, how do I remember to do that? You got this phone thing. You, if if you've got an iPhone or whatever, you can just set yourself a reminder. 10 and 2 o'clock. All right, try it. And the third thing is do everything in your power to be in church every Sunday from now until back to church Sunday in September. I'm not asking you to commit to be at church every day, every Sunday for the rest of your life. Right? Just until back to church Sunday. Commit with me to do those three things. All right? And together, we as a church, supporting each other, holding each other accountable, we'll make sure that we're following the instructions of the Creator and not the bad advice that the world gives us. Let's pray and, and uh, we'll go ahead and, and take up the offering this morning. Father, I thank you for your word, for the instructions that you give us in it, for the fact that uh, I don't have to try to figure things out on my own. Thank you for... Uh, this group of people, this body of believers, the opportunity that we have to, to serve you together. Uh, God, I pray that you would ignite an excitement in us and a fire to serve you. God, don't let us do the same old things all the time, going through the same routine, hoping that this, by doing the same things, things will change or be better or be different. God, we want to live lives that honor you making you the preeminent thing in everything that we do. Father, we will give you the glory and we will give you the honor as you work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Take now what we give you and use it for your honor and your glory. In your holy name we pray, amen.